What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We have Summer League Basketball, the Memphis Grizzlies, one and one. They win game one against Philly last night, and then they lose against the Oklahoma City Thunder starting lineup, basically. So, you know, no big deal. I'm not worried about the record. We did get some weird stuff from the Grizzlies. I will never understand. You will not make me understand why in the hell they are resting rookies in the summer league. It blows my mind. Like, if you don't want to play on 25 minutes because they played 25 minutes last night, you only want to throw them out there for 10 or 15 minutes. I'm on board with that. But this – did Kawhi Leonard break the NBA with this load management BS? It, it, it's goofy, man. Like, I, like I, I couldn't believe it. Like, and it's like, as you said, man, I can understand possibly not playing Zaire and Xavier Tilbert, but LaRavia and Roddy and those guys sitting out because they played 20-plus minutes last night. Like, I understand not – Maybe don't play them 25 minutes tonight. Maybe play them 10 minutes, play them 15, but not playing at all. Like, I don't understand. It's summer league. This is summer league basketball, man. It's not like these guys are just in the middle of a, of, of a playoff series and these guys are just going super hard out there. Like, I don't – doesn't make any sense to me, man, because this is about development. And especially when you feel like – you look at that, that Sixers team last night. Of course, they got Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe. But when you compare that team to this Oklahoma City team where you got Chet Holmgren, you got – Josh Giddy, you got uh, several lottery picks, uh, Jing, uh, Jalen Williams, uh, just and, and guys that Pokacheski, guys that have played on their team that actually got minutes. And Giddy, who's a guy who clearly you could see out there tonight and he doesn't belong in in this format. Like, you want to see those guys against better competition. And it was just weird to me. It was disappointing because I was looking forward to kind of seeing those guys. I did get the matchup I did want to see. And even though the Grizzlies took the loss, I got everything else that I wanted to see out of this game, but I will definitely, definitely talk about that as, as the podcast goes on. Yeah, it was, it was crazy to me. I, 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 I here's my thing. If they were going to rest them, I think they should have played them in the OKC game. So now you're going to have them play against the, I'm guessing they're going to have them play against the Utah jazz in the next game. And, and that's not really a squad, man. I mean, yeah, I, that's they just, the weakest they're, the they're, by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really not even close to NBA talent. And so I don't even really know. I mean, you're not going to take a whole lot of conclusions away from the summer experience, regard, I mean, summer league regardless. But you just you just want to see them play against a competitive team. So to sit them out against their most competitive opponent in this stretch was uh, disappointing, to say the least. Like you said, even if you did play them, play them 10 minutes. And then if you're going to rest them, rest them against Utah. Because I think that's the team that I, these guys probably could have competed with better anyway. Yeah, because Utah is probably the worst team in Salt Lake. I mean, they don't have right. anybody on that team. Philly is – they got a couple guys, but Utah is probably even worse than that. I mean, they're the whole right. team. But, yeah, I agree with Candace. I think you play those guys the first two games, get some rest before you have to travel out to Vegas with that day off. That gives them a couple days off. Now you're going to play them tomorrow night, you you would think. Um, and then they now only get one day off in between on travel. So – that would that would have made the most sense. Like I, I wouldn't have had any issue with that. I would have understood it. But this got a weird to me, man. Weird flex, as I said on Twitter, for them to to kind of sit all those guys not playing them at all. Like I can understand limiting minutes, but not playing them at all was just kind of weird. To me. Didn't even know, address yeah. them. It's strange. It's it's crazy. It really is. But, but anyway, that's what they that's what they did. That's what I decided to do. So uh, Vince Williams Jr. I, I'll I'll say this: Vince William Vince Williams Jr. He was the one rookie that that got to play. So, but that's that's not that's still not what you wanted to see. Yeah, and Candace and I were kind of, we were talking about that a little bit off air. You look at uh, what Williams done tonight against OKC, over four, and then you look at uh, him in, in game one. He was three for four. And the difference is the quality of looks. In game one, he had guys that were just – they were distributing him the ball in his spot. He was yeah, able to knock the shot Guard down. play tonight. Yeah, like in, in game two, he was trying to self-create, so it didn't go as well. And there was – that like there was no guard play tonight. No, not at all. Rough, no. man. For, for a guy that – I, I did honestly, man. I did not expect him to to look that bad. Like he, how many turnovers did he have? It says he only had three, but man, it feels like he had a lot more than that. Talking about Waters? Uh, no, Buchanan? I was talking about Buchanan. Shaq. Oh, yeah. just with the oh, level of experience yeah. that he's got. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured he would. You know, I expect him to to play better because he's been here before, right? Like right. this is it's, not <laughs> it's not new to him, but it, it looked like 
man, uh, d- deer in headlights type look from him tonight. J- just weird. I was kind of surprised because he didn't he didn't play in the first game at all, did he? No, uh, no. He and he, I thought there was a report this morning that he had signed a deal overseas, so I thought he was probably gone. So I don't know right. if that was a false report or he's just still going to play in this and then leaving go overseas. I'm not sure what's going on, but with that, but I, I was kind of surprised to see him tonight. But yeah, man, you expect better from from him, man, because he's been around for a while now. Like I mean, he's been had a couple cup of teas with the Grizzlies. He's played in preseason. So he's played in some in NBA minutes. So you think you think that he would be better than this. And that's when you look at summer league, that's what you want to see. Guys that have played NBA minutes. And that's why in the in game one, I was kind of disappointed with Sunday Aldum. Like he had some good minutes. He knocked out a couple threes. He did some good things. But there was also a lot of other things where I mean he just looks like a kind of like he looked in year one in, in summer league. Like there, there are a lot of things that he still has a long way to go on, and you just kind of want him to look a little bit better than that because the way this roster sets up, as we talked about on the last podcast, they're they, they possibly they're possibly going to need him to play and be in a rotation. And in game one, he didn't look like a guy that was ready to be playing regular season minutes on a regular basis, and that those are the kind of things that I'm concerned about about kind of you losing bets and, and, and Kyle and, and Melt, and then you're going to lean on rookies to kind of replace those minutes and, and rookies can be fine. Like, I mean, they, LaRavia looked good in that game and I, I still have some questions about him, especially on the defensive end. I think his shot looks fantastic, but I, but I have still some of the same questions I had coming in is, is who does he guard? Does he play? Is he a four? I don't, I really don't think he's a four. I think he's a three, but can he guard more athletic threes? That's the question. And he definitely has struggled to guard guards, but he's got switched on to quicker guards. I mean, he's really struggled. So defensively, I have questions with that, but that, that's why you want to see those guys play tonight. Like, I think you get, like, the Ravia, especially, he could be starting on, for, on opening night. So you definitely want him to get as many reps as possible. So, again, man, that goes back to what we were talking about, man. I, I just don't understand it. It's weird not to play him at all. Like, you don't have to play him 25 minutes again, but let him get out there, man, get get a little sweat going, man, get out, get a little few minutes, especially against his better competition. And that's what you want to see, man, again, but not to jump back on that, but, man, that was – just weird to me. Yeah. And not to beat on the day of horrors, but I do just want to bring this up. I think it actually would have been really important. And maybe they'll do this in Vegas. So maybe it's a mute, a mute, a mute, a mute, mute point. But I really would have liked to see them play a back to back. I mean, they're going to have to do that. And yeah. it's not like it's so uncommon that they're never going to have to play a back to back. As rookies, you want your rookies to get acclimated. And you said, Isaac, even if you just played them 10 minutes, you just kind of want them to get accustomed yeah, to that. That's what sort of that they'll experience. So they'll, so they'll struggle less when it's a real regular season game. But anyway, like I said, not to be on the dead horse, but that's just another point <laughs> that I think. And maybe they'll do it in Vegas. I hope they do because I, I really think the rookies need that experience. Yeah, it's uh, after this, and, and yeah, I know Salt Lake is not Vegas and all of that, but I, I don't know. It makes me wonder if they are going to do that. And I know some of these guys that, that you have on this roster, you want to see – what they are, like what they're going to be able to do. So maybe that, that's why you're seeing guys like, uh, you know, EJ Anu get some run t- tonight. And then I, I think, um, and I still, did, did you guys get the uh, Aluma? What's his first name? Do you know the proper pronunciation for his first name? And I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not yeah. even sure. Cause again, he's a guy that I wasn't really familiar yeah, with at all. He, he's one. Yeah. I I'd plan on trying to watch film on him before they got to this point and just been, been so busy. I hadn't been able to do it, but you know, they, they have guys, they want to see what they're going to be able to do. So I, I get trying to get them minutes, but it's, it's just funny, man. I, I want to stick on game one, the final score of game one, 103 to 99 over the, the Sixers and, uh, and their summer league squad. I want to talk about like kind of each player individually. We've already touched on some of them, but you, you talk about the Grizzlies missing Melton. Let's talk about Kennedy Chandler and what he done in that first game. You look at his stat line, eight points, three blocks, four steals, four assists, four rebounds, four for eight from the field. He didn't knock down a three. But if that's not a D'Anthony Melton line, I don't know what is. Best plus minus on the team. Yep. And he, an undersized guard that plays bigger than his height yeah. because of his length. And and that's not to say that Kennedy Chandler is going to come in. You know, he's repping zero already. That's a little bit of a sting on that one. I'm like, oh, man, give him Melt's <laughs> number up already. I know that Melt wasn't a long time Grizz, but, uh, you know, 
I, I think that he is going to be um, – it wouldn't surprise me if he cracks the 10-man rotation early. Yeah, man, one of the things that I was most confident in him is his upside as a, a point of attack of the defender, and I think you saw that on full display. I mean, game one, I mean, he had the game-winning stealing steal against Jaden Springer in there to close the game out, and I think you saw that throughout the game. And I mean, a guy his size would, like you said, made three blocks uh, in the game and got it six foot. Uh, probably with tennis shoes on, but that six-five wingspan I think shows well. I mean, I think you saw him one-on-one defender. I mean, he's just a guy that has a really, really high IQ on both ends of the floor, but definitely on the defensive end. And I think his defense is what will translate even sooner to this offense. But he's a guy that could definitely he can knock down shots. But I was more impressed on what he in that game and what he did against the defensive end. And that's kind of what I was looking for with him going in, man. And I think do one game, I think you have to be super impressed with him. And again, man, I think he's going to be a, a steal, man. To get him at 38, uh, like I said, I wouldn't would have been upset if they just had taken him at 22 or 29. I, I wouldn't have had any questions with that. And I think that height is what had him slipping down to that far, the 38. I think him being six foot, him not being 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, if he was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, I think you would have saw him go probably top 20 uh, or like somewhere in the late teens probably if he was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, with just his body of work and what he did at Tennessee. Uh, but I, I think the Grizzlies are going to end up with a steal there. Uh, I mean, this front office, again, at times have shown the key in on guys. And, and when they've gone to make trades like that, like we've talked about the trades to get LaRavia and Roddy, and we're not going to get back into that. But I think this right here was Bennett's Zach Lyman uh, for, for getting a guy that slipped. We saw him do that with with BC. Uh, was a guy that was set to go much early. He's still sitting there on the clock, and then getting and climbing, went up and got him. And I think you see Kennedy Jalen slipping way down. I mean, you saw some mocks had him going 2021. 20, He's all the way down there at 38. They went and got him, man. And I think it sets up perfectly because you signed Tyus to the short-term deal, uh, two years. And I think at the end of that deal, if Tyus continues on the same trajectory, I think the Grizzlies know he probably knows that he's going to be looking for a big payday. And at that time, I think the Grizzlies probably will move on from him. And that gives you two years to get a look at Kennedy, um, and, and I think he's a guy, as David said, that you could see a lot at 191 Bill this year instead of down at the, at the Civic Center in South Haven uh, or the Landis Center now. Uh, I think he's a guy that you're going to see in this rotation playing minutes at times, especially if Ja has having some missed games. I think you're going to see him getting those backup point guard minutes, and I, I think he's ready for it, especially on a defensive end. I'm really, really excited to, to watch him. Um, I, I think out of all the rookies, I think he's the one that I'm actually probably most excited about. I know some of the other guys might be more important, like Moravia. I think he's going to be really important. I think watching him, we're going to talk about it, so I'm not going to spoil that. Uh, but I, I think I'm really excited about his development. And I, I really do think that he can be that backup point guard. And you got two years to find that out. Uh, so I think it, it sets up really well and how they kind of kind of set this up. Let me get your guys' thoughts on this. I've sort of been thinking about it, and I can kind of see both sides. But one thing I've been thinking about is when you're talking about that Melt role, you know, Melt sometimes played alongside Tyus or uh, maybe alongside Tyus more than Ja, but sometimes even alongside Ja. And you've seen Ja and Tyus sort of work off of each other, like a two-point guard lineup just to have another facilitator, especially if you're going small ball. And then one of the main problems with the Ja-Tyus combo initially was defense. And just, you know, obviously being playing small, but with Chandler having sort of the defensive chops and the ability to shoot when needed too, what do you guys think about, about some potential of seeing him next to Tyus or seeing him next to Ja potentially? Yeah, I, I'm, I like it. I'm for it. I think that, you know, Tyus is a better defender than, than Ja Morant right now. And so playing Chandler next to to Tyus, especially with Tyus's ability to shoot the ball, like you can run, maybe run the offense through Chandler. Um, I, I think either one of those guys are going to be fine playing without the ball in their hand, but they're going to be able to hold their own defensively. It's not going to be, you know, and we, we saw John Morant when he buys in, he can, he can be a serviceable defender. But, yeah, you're looking at size, um, but Chandler plays so much bigger than his height. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm not concerned with that. I think that um, – I think some people would be unhappy seeing that, but to me it wouldn't bother me at all. I, I think that, you know, you, you can play it, whether it's it's John Kennedy or Tyus and Kennedy, but, you know, playing off of each other in, in that uh, 
in the backcourt, I, I think it'd be fine. I think yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I definitely think it would work. Um, just because, as we said, of Kennedy Chandler's defensive ability, and though he's listed at six zero, he plays a lot bigger than that, six five. And I think potentially, I know he's a rookie, hasn't played a single minute of real NBA action, but I think of the three guys, he's potentially the best defender of the three. And I think his defense and and his ability to knock down shots, I think, makes that vi- a viable option. Um, I think I, I could see him playing with Ja, and I could also see him playing with Tyus. I um, mean. I'm a big fan of having secondary ball handling on the floor, two guys that can bring the ball up because it just takes so much pressure off of the offense. Um, if, if things break down, you kick it out to, to another guy, and he can facilitate it and break down a defense as well. Uh, so I think you can see that look, and I think that's a, another way that you can get Kennedy on the floor uh, because I'd like to see him get these reps because, I, I, again, I think he's going to be important when you look a, a few years down the line. So if anytime you can get him on the floor and get him reps, I'm all for it, and I definitely think you could – play him with with jaw or with time yeah i, I kind of think that sort of the it might be one of the underlying things that they're experimenting with why having zaire get a lot of on-ball reps that means if candy chan is on the floor he's playing a lot of off ball and so it may yeah. be, uh sort of they, they want to get a feel for that and it may be not but it's definitely something i've thought about so we'll move uh away from chandler let's go let's go to laravia next we already kind of touched on aldama I don't really have much to, to add. I'm, I'm kind of in the same mindset as Isaac whenever, you know, I would like to see more from him. Not that, you know, five for nine from the field, knocking down two of three from three is terrible. But for a guy that, you know, he played NBA level minutes yeah. and he played G League all last year against, you know, higher than college level competition, I expected to see more from him and his first showing. So, so let's talk about LaRavia. My biggest thing from him, number one, his, his shot looks great. That, that's the one thing we knew studying this kid in the draft. You know that he can shoot. His coach talked about, oh, you know, I had to, like, scream at him and get this kid to he, shoot the ball. Man, and not yesterday, not last night. No, no, he was letting <laughs> it fly. And, and and I love it. You know, four or seven from three. And how many of those threes, like, the net didn't even move on, on a few yeah, of those. Yeah, they look good, look great. was just pure – but I, I want to highlight defensively, and, and there was one play specifically, and I sent a tweet out, the play got stopped. But LaRavia, he was, I want to say it was either Jaden Springer or Isaiah Joe that had the ball. And LaRavia was out guarding them at the three-point line, and they blew right past him. Like it was, to say it was Olay defense is giving LaRavia too much credit because he was like a stick in the mud. And that is that's an area of concern. Isaac was talking earlier about what who is he going to guard, and I think because of the lack of foot speed, he's very crafty. We saw him make some plays with his hands. He got in the passing lanes a couple times, or he played a little help off of his guy and knocked the ball loose a couple times. So you see flashes of where he can be effective on the defensive end, but if he ends up in a point of attack type situation yeah i think he's going to get exposed a lot so you know i i'm I'm definitely more comfortable if he's guarding fours um but you know i think at some point you're just going to see him guarding threes and you just have to hope that the help defense is strong enough to support what he's going to lack out there I'm not sure he'll get cooked out there. Uh, I don't think he'll get cooked. I think he'll be sufficient. I think he'll have some 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 possessions where you know he he blows assignment. I think that that'll be obvious. I think he'll have some of that. I I think that's another reason why it's just hard for me to imagine them starting him. I understand why you might, but I'm really hoping the Grizzlies make a move here because I I think he's better off playing against like a second string unit. I even if you, we're talking about three or fours, just starting caliber. I'm not sure either way if he can really hold up against against that so I'd rather see him coming off the bench getting some key key rotation minutes sort of feeling his way through and improving upon the defense I think there's some room to grow I think there is I, I don't think he'll ever be a world beater just on ball defender I really don't think that but I think his what he provides on the offensive end with facilitation ability I think he does enough other things to sort of have that weakness not be glaring enough to get him some minutes, get him some quality minutes, and he'll improve um, as he grows too. And even even as the season goes on, I mean, we've seen some major improvement just from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So there's there's room to account for that too. 
Yeah, man, that, there's definitely a lot to like, uh, even though I've been labeled as a LaRavia Roddy hater because people don't kind of listen to context of what I was saying about that draft. But um, there's a lot to like as far as shooting the basketball. Like I told y'all last night, man, next Larry Bird. Uh, shot, shot looks great, man. Four, four, seven from three, man. Had great rotation. As David said, man, didn't even touch Rhea, man, all net on a lot of those shots. I don't have any question on, on him shooting the basketball. Um, his coach Steve Forbes at, at Wake Forest in an interview, uh, as you talked about a minute ago, said that he had to employ him to shoot the ball. Like he's never coached a guy who can shoot the basketball as good as he had, that he had to push to shoot the basketball. And that wasn't a question at all, man. He was letting that MF fly, as, as, as you say, uh, in, in game one out there against Philly. Uh, like I said, four of seven shot, looked fantastic. Another thing, I think he's a fantastic rebounder, was a really good rebounder at Wake Forest, had four rebounders. I think that's something that he has as well that might be kind of an underrated part of his game. I think he also brings some playmaking, had two assists um, in the game. Defensively, with him, a lot of guys, you just they just don't put in the effort on, on the defensive end. That's not his issue at all. It's not that he doesn't try. I just think against some guys, like you said, quicker guards, and some, some quicker forwards, he just has physical limitations to where he's going to have a hard time. If he gets out on the island in, in a point of attack situation against get switched on to a two or, or quicker small forward, man, he's probably going to get give give up the basket or in, even end up fouling. I think going against power forwards, I think guarding power forwards will be the best thing for him, but you just worry about in that situation, strength-wise, can he guard some of those guys? I mean, he's 227 pounds, so he's not light, uh, almost 230. So he's a, he's a pr- pretty sizable guy at 6'8". You just kind of worry about some of those bigger power forwards. Can he, muscle-wise, can he stay with those guys? So that's kind of the question with him, man, in between three and four, who he's who he's going to guard. But I, I think he's going to provide shooting. I um, mean, you just kind of think about Bain and, and, and him out there being able to knock down shots with a point guard like Ja out there, man. You're like salivating thinking about that because this team has been void of three-point shooting so long, man. Anytime you see a guy that, that looks like he could consistently knock down shots, you love it because this team just hasn't had many of those over the years. For whatever reason, it seems like every other team has three, four of these guys, and the Grizzlies just can't find these guys. They've had Mike Miller back in the day, and, and he was kind of one of the only guys they really had that was a knockdown three-point shooter um, in, in, in old, olden times. Uh, so it's good to have these guys like this. Uh, I mean, you have Bain out there, know what he can do to shoot the basketball, and looks like Arabia is going to be another guy that's going to be able to come in and knock down shots. And when you have a, a point guard like Ja, man, that's fantastic because you know they're going to get good looks out there. A couple of final notes I have on, on Laravia is is one, I think that as he's, he's probably the kind of guy that I think his defense will improve as he, as he gets more comfortable IQ-wise. I think he'll probably yeah. need to use his IQ to make up for some of the lack of, you know, yeah. quick foot speed and Not all like of that. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's sort of where I was going with it. And I, I was going to say, too, despite that that may be a concern, and I think it'll show up sometimes in games, I think it'll be okay because if there's a team that I'm going to trust to know how to put a tweener sort of in the best position, it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. You got Kyle Anderson, who's a three, sort of four. I mean, he, he really uh, guards the four. I mean, he didn't have the offense of a three. I mean, that his offense really doesn't make him a three at all, uh, but they sort of can plug and play him when they need him and where they need him. Uh, Jaron, I think even he, he's got the, offense of a four but his defense is maybe more I think he plays better against sort of centers and Brandon sort of a tweener too so I just think there's enough they've got enough experience with the sort of versatility kind of guys in between two spots don't have really an official place that Ravio sort of just plug and play I think they'll know how to use him in the right ways and against the right matchups because that, that matters too yeah I, like my biggest concern with it right now and, and I'm not like I'm on the same page as you Candace saying like I think that he's going to improve in that area. He does go out there. He gives the effort. So you know that this is not something where he's just like, I don't care if I suck on defense or not. I'm going to be out here knocking down shots. That That's not his mindset, or that doesn't appear to be his mindset. Uh, but right now, the Grizzlies don't have a rim protector on this roster. Yeah. Brandon Clark yeah, it's, is it. It's, and it's and I, I love Brandon. <laughs> I, I think that he, he's a, he is a great help side defender, but he's not a, a true – rim protector and so having a guy out there like jaron can help make up for some of the shortcomings especially early for laravia 
and yeah. they're not going to have that luxury. Yeah. So you, you wonder, or I wonder at least, what that's going to look like for the Grizzlies. What is, what what's the defense going to do when Laravia is out there and he does happen to get matched up on somebody that's quicker than him, and they blow past him? Are they going to have somebody that that makes up for that? Because Stephen Adams is not a rim protector. He's never been a rim protector his entire career. That's not something that's going to change overnight. It's not going to be like. Hey Kiwi, we need you to uh, just turn into a dominant shot blocker. It, it's not there, so uh, you know. I believe my guess is the Grizzlies are done making moves right now before the season starts. But I, I hope that they prove me wrong and go out and get a guy that can be a rim protector. Whether it doesn't have to be something, you know, like Miles Turner is probably the sexiest name on the market that's available. But I don't expect them to go out and make a move like that. But, you know, go out and find a guy that has some rim technique, rim protecting ability that you can go and get. They've still got – I think it expired. It either expires today, expired today or tomorrow. They it's have tomorrow. A, a $4 million trade yeah, exception. It's tomorrow. And, and, and I don't have um, – I, I have no idea who, who would be available, as, like, that has rim protection, you know, ability that would slide into that. But I, I would guess that you could probably go out there and find somebody that you can plug in there. But who knows? They're they're probably just going to run with it and, you know, hope Jaron bounces back. See where we're at. I still think this team can win games even without that. But that's just – it's that's my biggest concern right now is if Aldama doesn't show the growth that you want to see from him and he's not your starting for day one, and I still – like – Man, it's just weird. It's a weird spot. I'm not going to need to get into that. Let's move on from, from LaRavia. Um, X, let's talk about X. He, he chose. He wanted to play in the summer league. So they got him out there, six for 11 from the field. He missed his only three-point attempt, four for four from the free throw line. That's my guy. X showing off his playmaking ability with four assists, 16 points. Why is he even play? Like, I, I know that he wanted to play in the summer league, but what does he have to prove playing in the summer league? Uh, well, I think quite a bit. I mean, maybe it was a little, a little more to prove before Jaron got hurt. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think he had yeah. a lot to prove for sure, because he was falling yeah. out of the rotation. He was falling out of favor. Um, and I, I'm still not sure that he fits this Grizzlies system. I, personally, I, I love him. I think he's great, but I still, I just think he struggles to find his place in this roster. And yeah, on box score, he looked great. I'm not going to say Tillman had a bad game. That would be. Um, misrepresentative of his performance but for him to really step up and have and take that next step you know I'm not really see I don't, I'm not really sure I saw that much of a difference between his summer league experience last year and this one it just kind of looks the same and his leadership maybe is a little stronger but that was about it for me yeah as Candace said right there at the, at the beginning I think before the Jared injury and he made the decision before that was kind of announced I think that there was a chance that he could have been on the outside looking in um, on his roster. And I think he knew that. I think that's the reason why he decided. I think he wanted to go out and solidify his spot because I don't think it was solidified before Jared went down. Now, I, I think he's a lot uh, to make the roster. He might have made it anyway, but I think there was a chance that he didn't. And I think he knew that. Um, and, and as Candace said, I mean, he had a good game. Like I said, 16 points, three rebounds, four assists, one block. Perfect from the free throw line, 4-4. Four, four. We know David loves that. Uh, uh, but he, had, he had a good game, but I like as Candace said, I don't think I watched that game and said, Oh, wow, man, he's really, really improved. Like, he's really added a lot to his game. He just looked like what you would expect him to look like in the summer league. I mean, he's had decent games, good games. He had a good game in the playoffs um, against uh, Golden State uh, in one of those games early. Um, I mean, he's was that Minnesota? I can't remember. I just remember he had one big game, might have been Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota. Uh, but I just, I mean, again, you you expect him to look good. He's a guy who's played in the playoffs, playing games, and and had good minutes. I'm just not sure if I saw anything that made me say, yeah, I mean, I, now I know Tillman. He's really added that to his game, and he looks great. I um, mean, and with him, I'm not sure there's any more. He's not a guy that has a lot of upside. I mean, he was an older rookie coming in, and kind of some of the things that he does, I think he he does them well. He just has some physical limitations. He's undersized, and I think he's just kind of is what he is, and I don't think that's a fantastic fit on this roster and what the Grizzlies do, but I think with Jaron going down, I think he's 
they have to have him because uh, they don't really have anybody else. But to kind of go back to what David touched on earlier, I, I still do think they make a move before the season starts. I think they have that Danny Green contract to work with, and I think you still have these trades with KD and Kyrie lingering out there. And I think these are going to be multi-team deals. Like, I think that KD deal could end up – man, there's some rumors that it could be four or five, maybe six teams, something crazy like NBA record type stuff. And if those deals do turn out to be something like that, I, I would be shocked if the Grizzlies don't get involved and try to take take advantage of that because they have some assets that they can throw to teams, especially teams that are that are trying to to get rid of guys. Um, I like San Antonio, uh, there's a report out that they're trying to facilitate possibly a Kyrie deal to the Lakers. And I was put out this morning that I would give them a call on Yaka Pertle, um if I were them because I think San Antonio is a team where anytime you have these teams that are sellers, I mean, you can – possibly get a guy for a lot cheaper than you normally would. And if you bring in a Pirtle, I mean, again, I mean, Jaron's going to come back at some point, but to have him, you got Steven Adams on an aspiring contract at the end of the season, you just kind of make a decision on where you go from there. But I, I think they got to bring somebody in. I mean, they're in a tough spot right now, man, because one thing I think people aren't even paying attention to without Jaron is Jaron was your closing five. Steven Adams mm-hmm. is only playing a little bit over 20, 20 minutes a game. It's not like he was a guy that was playing – 30 minutes. I know he's your starting center, a quote starting center, but he really isn't. Like Jaron is kind of your center. He's the guy that's closing games, and now you don't have that. So are you going to play Stephen Adams 30 plus minutes now? I mean, that's a big loss. Yeah. I just, I just don't know if you can go into season and 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 not fill that void at least at least a depth piece, even if it's a guy that can't really fill that void. You need another playable guy there somewhere. Uh, so I think they got to go out and bring in somebody. That's why I was kind of interested in Isaiah Roby. Um, he ended up signing with San Antonio, um, even though he's a guy kind of on the size. He's a power. He's listed as a power forward. Does have somebody average a block a game, so he can defend the rim a little bit. I mean, average ten points a game. Has some upside. Young, still twenty four years old, and a guy that you could get basically for free as a depth piece. I was interested in him, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think they got to do something, and I, I think they're going to get in on one of these big deals uh, and and kind of bring somebody in that way. That's kind of my prediction. I'm not going to kill the Roby deal. It's possible that they can offer some, offer some draft compensation, maybe flip him since they got him off of waivers, right? They they just claimed him off of waivers. Maybe San Antonio, maybe not, but maybe they'd be open to flipping him for some draft compensation because originally they didn't plan on him being a part of the team. He just sort of kind of fell into their laps and maybe something that they can just, they seem to be put placing such value on the draft. Um, Maybe that's one way that that can still happen. I know it's a stretch because the Grizzlies, could have had a chance, but you know, it, it, I'm interested. I'm, I wonder did the Grizzlies put a, put a claim in? I would love to love to know that did they do that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you would like to think that they did. We don't. We don't know for sure, but you know, Pirtle the the contract like the Danny Green contract would be. You could flip that in the Pirtle trade. You would have to add assets as the Grizzlies, and and what does that look like? You know, I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. Pirtle's 26 years old. And he is a guy that would fit the timeline a little bit better than Steven yeah. Adams. Um, I like it. You know, it, it's really – you're talking about that closing lineup, man, and you it, there's no easy answer to it, right? You think, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, – we'll throw BC in there as a five. Okay, so who, who's your closing four? Then? Four, yeah. Who's right. your – you know, a, if BC's your closing you, five, yeah. who, you know, because you can, you can lock in uh, Dylan – Ja and Bain and BC. That's four of your four of your closing. Five. That's what I'm saying. You got to play Dylan at the four. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, we uh, did see that at times. But Z- Zaire doesn't have enough bulk on him right now. To you know, they've got him. I think what's he up to about two fifteen right now. Yeah, that's what they got him at. So you know, he he's definitely he's put on some muscle. You can see that you know he, he's been working. But he's not gonna be your closing four right now. I just I don't see that at all. So yeah, it, it it's gonna be. I don't know how much it's gonna matter against bad teams, but against team against good teams, it's it's really gonna make a difference. And, and I don't think running Stephen Adams out there as your closing five is the way to go, because that gives them kind of a hack a shack target. Because Stephen Adams is bad from the free throw line, right. Let's jump that's tough. In. It's it's a tough thing for sure. Um, I think that's just something I don't. I obviously it seems like the Jaren injury happened after the draft, but it definitely would have been something that you would have liked to be able to take into account um, before some of these moves were made. Just because they're they're sort of in a hole now. 
And uh, there's no Cal was was the whole he was he was great at filling a lot of those gaps. And there wasn't a huge drop off. You sort of really count on him to to be there on the defensive end. He wasn't really going to help you much on the offensive end, but you had enough around him to sort of make up for that. But now there's nobody even close defensively. I mean, especially Brandon, depending on the matchup, but it really is dependent on the matchup. I mean, I think the defense overall, not even just that. I mean, you lose. Yeah. Kyle and Melt, and again, man, people are just really undervaluing what they what they brought to this team. I mean, it, it, people are acting like these guys just had no impact on the team, and I don't understand that. Like, those are were two of your top four defenders. Like, whatever you think about Melt, people are just continue to bring up what Melt did in the playoffs, and I agree. Melt struggled in the playoffs every time they got into a postseason situation. He kind of went into shell. I get that, but there were times where he was really good, even good offensively for this team, and he always brought good defense. Um, and, and I think they're going to miss that. And Kansas said Kyle just fills so many holes. You talk about that next man up mentality. Depth has been one of, if not the biggest strengths of this team. And right now, as far as what we know, they don't have that right now. Maybe Ravier and Roddy and these guys come in and they want and they're awesome. Maybe that, that ends up being the case. But as far as what you know going into the season, for a team that had designs on winning the championship and, and wanted to be one of the top teams in the league. There's a lot of, a lot of question marks on, on this team right now. And that's kind of been my argument over the last couple of weeks. And a lot of people dis- disagree with me and maybe I end up being crazy. They go out there and win 60 games this year. Like I, I, I'd be wrong, but I just feel like right now, if you look at the roster at the end of that Golden State game, when they walked off the floor, I feel like at least on paper, they've taken a step back. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, which rookies have we talked about? David Roddy? Yeah, we hadn't talked about Roddy. Big body Roddy. About Roddy. Okay. You can big, lead but, off. Big body. <laughs> you said what, David? I, I said you can lead off with your thoughts on Roddy. So so Roddy shows some flashes. Roddy, Roddy struggled. He had the uh, worst plus minus on the team at negative seven. Um, he ultimately ended up with, let's see, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, uh, two turnovers. He wasn't able to shoot well. He only had four points. Uh one of six from the field, of two from three. He sort of struggled. He looked pretty lost a lot of times. Sort of his head was swimming uh, around the, around the court. I think he showed flashes though. You could see what he what he is. I think he's got to make some adjustments. It seems to be an adjustment for him. So he's got to figure out his game in this new system and how he fits. But you saw, I think he played really good defense at, at times. There were times when he got lost, but he showed flashes of good defense and uh, rebounding, and he found ways to be valuable, even though he was struggling. You want to see that in a player, even when they're not doing well, you want to see them try to find value in ways. So I, I, think, I think he did that, and I think he'll get better as the summer league goes on, too. This is just game one, so I'm not really worried about him, but some of the initial concerns about some of his, you know, who he guards is a question, and you hate to see mostly his biggest – really, he was the better shooter of all of the rookies coming into yeah. the team. And so it's disappointing to see him go, you know, over two, but it's a really small sample size too. So um, we just got to see how it plays out. It's a theme to continue to watch over the summer league, in, in my opinion, to see if he can show any progress. But um, I'm curious of you guys' thoughts. I think with Roddy, I think Roddy is kind of thinking about himself possibly the same way we are. I think he's trying to figure out what he is and what his role is. And I think that's, the question with him, I mean, you got a guy so unique at 6'6", 260 pounds. You're like, what is he? Um, I think you saw some good things. Struggled offensively. Uh, there's no question about that. But he shot the basketball, like I said, he 44% on high volume, 46 to 105, 105 threes is a, a good number in college. Like, I, I think he'll be able to shoot the basketball because that's a, a high sample size. And he shot, let me see, what was his average per game? Uh, he was shooting almost four threes a game in college and knocking down almost two. So, I mean, he has a good sample size of knocking down knocking down threes. Uh, so, I think he'll be able to do that. Didn't do it in, in game one, but I, I, that's something that I think will translate. I think you also saw uh, some, some rebounding. I mean, I think you, he can rebound the basketball. You saw that in the game with some, some bully ball out in the post for bullying guys, pushing guys out of the way to box out and get rebounds. I think you saw that. I think you also saw some flashes of his playmaking ability as well. Um, he was a really, really good playmaker for, for a guy of his size in college, and I think you saw some of that as well. Um, I, I just think he just has to to figure out. I'm not sure what he is, who he guards, 
what position he plays. I mean, it's been Grizz Nation has been all over the place with him. There are even some people saying he's going to be a two. Now, I don't think that's in the cards, but you just got to figure out what his role is. Um, and I think that's going to be the question, question with him. But I, I think you saw some flashes of some, some good things with him. Yeah, it's game one, and I I missed the second half of this game last night, so I missed a lot of his minutes. The, the little bit that I, I was able to watch with him on the floor, you know, you could just see, like, that this was a guy that was just drafted. Kind of, you know, if you remember when Zaire came in his first game, he looked like a fish out of water. It looked, it looked really rough, and he was able to work through it as the season went along, and turn you know turned out to to be one of the better rookies in the league, so I I'm not overly concerned with him. That there's definitely some questions about you know where's he going to fit, what role is he going to play. I think because of the size, he's going to be physical. I think that he's going to you know he's going to handle matching up against bigger players than him pretty well, and so that's why I think you know like the the four maybe even some small ball five type stuff from him. And that the playmaking ability from those two those two positions is huge. Um, but you know, 17 minutes in your first you know professional basketball game, you're, you're going to see some you know ups and downs. And I, I'm really I hope that moving forward in this summer league that he's not one that they rest a lot because we need to see him get reps. We need yeah. these guys. Because of, you know, and I think we've probably said this a few times on the episode, because of the shape of this roster, you need Laravia and Roddy and Chandler to get as many reps as you can. If you want to be a competitive team, if you want to be in line for that championship, you need these young guys that you're going out and getting, you're building through the draft. You need them to to get the reps in to where they can work these bugs out. And that's why... It blows my mind. We didn't talk about Zaire yet, and and we'll talk about him and then kind of move on to to game two and then wrap it up. But there were people that were just crapping on Zaire last night because of some (laughs) of the mistakes he's making. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? This is summer league. These games mean squat. Let this man go out there and dribble a ball off of his knee. Let him get all these kinks, all this, like, all of this crap out of his system and figured out because him becoming a playmaker, him handling the ball and being a a decision maker and making decisions at a high level is the only way that you're going to see this team reach its ceiling. And so let him do it now. Let him do it when it does not matter, when there's zero consequence for the mistake that he's making. Let's let him figure it out. 15 points, eight assists, three for six from three, there were a lot of things that he'd done last night that were great, and, and I love to see it. They, like I said, I, I didn't get to see the second half, so I didn't get to see a lot of the assists from him, but I know that you guys did watch him, so you can help me out with that. But even early on, I liked what I was seeing from Zaire, but I, I said it. I'm like, I want to see him create for other people. I, I have Because of his length, I don't think creating for himself is ever going to be an issue because I think he's going to be able to shoot over the top of people. Creating for other people is going to unlock that next level for him, and I think that's what the Grizzlies are focused on doing with him throughout this summer league. Yeah. And it, it, well, I was going to say, first off, to, to talk about the people, go back to the people that were crapping on him, and that, that's craziness. Like, it's, it's summer league, and I think out of all these guys, they have some specific things that they want to see out of Zaire, things that are out of his comfort zone. Um, and, and so he's going to make some mistakes out there because they have him doing things that he's not comfortable with by design because they want him to develop these areas of his game because if he's going to reach his ceiling, like you talk about some of the the, the crazy stuff that we've talked about, like if he's going to be Brandon Ingram or guys like that, he's going to have to be become better as a ball handler. And, and that's what they have him working on. There were – moments out there that you could clearly see just like we saw with Bain last year that this dude is better than these guys and you could see that a lot of a lot of times a lot of moves a lot of things he made a lot of those threes that he took a lot of shots that he created you could see that he was better than this level of basketball but other times they have been working on things again that he's outside of his comfort level and he's going to look look bad at times he's going to turn the basketball over but the playmaking was off the charts uh but eight assists last night man I mean just doing a good job, a really good two-man game between 
him and Xavier Tillman, uh, the entire game uh, that, that you saw. And that was really good. I love the facilitation. Again, man, just keep letting him work on that ball handling because if he's going to reach his ceiling, that's kind of the next step in his development. We saw him branch out. It started off as just basically corner three. He's branched out. He's shooting from everywhere now. He's going to the basket, taking to the basket, he's catching lobs. Those were things that you'd even see him doing earlier. Now, man, the ball handling, I think, and I think one another thing with him with ball handling, I think as he gets bigger and stronger, a lot of times you see him, he'll get bumped by guys and they'll kind of knock him out of balance a little bit and that'll, that'll kind of make mess up with his dribble, mess his dribble up. I think as he gets stronger, that'll improve as well. Um, I, I just think he has the work ethic, the athleticism, the length, and, and the want to. I, I just find it hard to believe, especially with what we've seen from his coaching staff and the way that they've developed players. I find it hard to believe that he's not going to reach his ceiling, man. So let him go out there and take his lumps when it comes to ball handling, man. Don't you know, get on this guy. You got to remember, he's super young. Like, people kind of had this. We've compared it to Bain as far as coming out here in summer league, putting him on a ball, taking a year two leap. But you got to understand, Bain was a four-year player uh, at TCU. Much older guy coming in. Zaire's still super young. Like, you hear him talk. You're like, man, this guy's a kid. Like, you can <laughs> – you feel I think if people forget that, they were kind of expecting this huge leap. I do think he'll take a leap, but I think you don't see guys take the leap that Bain took on a normal basis. That's like something crazy. That's not going to happen all the time, but you got to remember Zaire is a few years younger than him. So, man, give this guy time, man. But I think, again, man, I think the front office made a, a tremendous pick with him. Like, again, most of us weren't happy with that pick, uh, but I was gladly glad to eat crow on this and glad that the coaching staff from the beginning decided we don't care how bad he is. Deer in hair lights, we don't care. He's going to be in a rotation. This is our guy. We're going to play him. And we see it right now, man. Pay dividends. Came up spades. This guy is playing significant playoff minutes, and nobody would have thought that back in October. So to be crapping on this guy, man, in, in, in summer league game one, with it, well, because they have him working on some stuff that he's uncomfortable with. It's craziness, man. That's, that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, that was a great point that you made. I was I was about to make that point about his age and just that. I know, I know, like you said, we compare him to Bain, but there there really is a huge difference. I think it's actually more likely that we see a bigger leap from him in in year three over year yeah. two, uh, just because I think he he might even need some time together. And I I think he'll still take a leap this year. So so don't yeah. get me wrong, I think he'll sure. still take a leap this year. But I think you're more likely to see a bigger leap in year three, just because you got to remember they drafted him in mind as him being a multiple year project, and so I think to put the Bane expectations on him is a little unrealistic. And another thing that I think people need to remember is, is that in summer league, Zaire is not going to, well, sorry, in the regular season, Zaire is not going to see the same defensive attention that he's receiving right now in the summer league. He's not going to be blitzed. He's not going to be trapped. Like that, like those are, those are not things that he's going to have to experience and work through. So if he can deal with some of those situations, the situations that he'll deal with in the regular season are, are going to be, great I mean so you got to see the big picture in that this is the most defensive pressure he's ever seen and probably will see for that matter so you just keep 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 the whole picture in mind I think just seeing him how to seeing him navigate those blitzes and seeing him get more comfortable in those situations is only going to make him tremendously better for just whatever situations he actually does face and well, one more point quickly to add to that even with him I think it's even more so because at, at Stanford that was a weird Yes. Freshman season, I think they only played 19 games. They didn't play any home games. Had a weird COVID thing. He was in and out because he had some COVID issues with his family. His usage rate wasn't super high. So it, it's almost like he was a freshman in college mm-hmm. last year, essentially, because he didn't do a lot at Stanford during his freshman year. So I think that's even more so with a guy like him. Yeah, yeah, great points. That That's uh, – I, I fully expect to leap. You know, I, I think I've said – you know, I've mentioned in the same sentence a Bane type leap from him, but I think a massive leap from him and the the level of leap that we saw from Bane. I don't think that you're going to see Zaire go to being a twenty point like a guy that's going to drop twenty points a game. Like Bane, what did he end up averaging last year? Was it like just 18, under 18, 18 and a half? A I think. Over. Yeah. So I I think a leap from Zaire is not necessarily in the same vein as what you saw from Bain. It's not going to be, you know, taking on a, a massive ball handling role. I think you will see some of that, but all of his stuff is going to be more secondary because you have a guy, you have Ja, you have Bain, you have Dylan, you have guys that are going to be 
playing that role. And I think long-term Dylan would kind of slide out of that. And, and that role, the number of shots going to him would kind of fall to Zaire would be my guess is what the front office would like to see. But I, I do think that we see a leap from him. I think that he's going to be a much better defender this year. I think that you're going to see him shoot higher percentage from three this year. And so naturally, whenever those things happen, you're going to see statistics go up and, um, you know, if he gets to 18 and a half points per game, maybe we're talking about a parade on Bill Street. You know, that's a long way away. A lot of things have to go right with Jaron recovering from this foot injury in order for that to happen. But um, you never know. I'm, I'm keeping the hope. So we'll roll into uh, game number two. And there was really one bright spot in this game. Had it not been for uh, Snack Jesus, as some are dubbing him, Kenneth Lofton Jr., going out there playing some bully ball. If he was not on the floor tonight for this Grizzlies team, this game would have been virtually unwatchable. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, he was the main event. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's a fantastic game for him tonight. 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal. Uh, super efficient, eight of 17 from the field. Man, knocked down two threes, two of six from three, one of two from the free throw line. Um, just short out the whole package. I mean, doing it doing it inside, man, taking taking it from the three-point, three-point line into the paint, scoring, man, knocked down a deep three at the shot clock buzzer, hit another three. Man, it's unbelievable to me that this guy went undrafted. Uh, like, I I don't know. You look at some of the guys that were drafted in this draft and just the potential of him. I know that the conditioning, the weight is an issue, but he is skilled, man. Like, the fact that he, he could do this stuff at this size, like, and, and think about what he could be if he was, Super in shape. He's already dropped, I think they said, 15 pounds going into the combine. So you know that he's putting in the work, man. And he just had a fantastic game. And you know he felt coming to the night going up against Chet Holmgren, uh, the number two pick in the draft, the guy who everybody thinks is going to be this this GOAT. Uh, but I knew he felt like, man, I'm going to go out there and show what I can do. And he definitely did that. Uh, I think out, outplayed Chet for the most part. And I, I just think that's a, a statement to go up against a guy like that and to have that type of game for a guy that went undrafted. I mean, I know David probably doesn't like that very much, but, I mean, I I, I think he outplayed him and kind yeah, of – I don't like that Lofton played well. What's that supposed <laughs> yeah. to mean? I some, like some Chet, of, some but of my, if you some think of my that thoughts... I'm not going to like Lofton playing well against him, you're nuts, man. Come on. But some of, the, some of, the, some of the, the takes that I had on Chet, I think some of that stuff was on display tonight. Um, again, like I said, I've never said Chet's going to not do anything. I just said I don't – Think that he's going to live up to be the number two pick, and I still do feel like that because I feel like I think you saw tonight, and this is a guy that went undrafted that was bullying him in the paint. What's going to happen when he's going up against these guys night in, night out? And he was gassed in this game, and he was going up against again an undrafted free agent. He's like puffing and puffing up down the floor because he's getting beat up by this guy. Like when he gets into the regular season, like he's going to have to deal with this night in, night out. It's going to be back to back. He's going to be playing on a bad team. He doesn't have protection that he has. This is going to be something that you're going to see every night. I don't he, understand why. He does why. have protection. They traded for Jermichael Green for a reason. <laughs> Man, like Jermichael Green, like he's, like he's a, like a, a big bruising center or something. I mean, he's not – Jermichael Green ain't that guy. Like, I yeah. like Jermichael and what he brings, he's, but – He's going to guard the physical anybody. guys. You, <laughs> you know that Jermichael Green's going to guard the physical guys. Come on, man. Man, he, he's not going he can't protect. He is not going to protect that, though. It's not going to be like at the level, like, it's not going to be uh, Jermichael Green's better than everybody else in the conference and he's playing <laughs> alongside Chet. It's not going to be like that. But if it's a big, if it's a physical right, man. big, man, if it's get, a physical bullied, big, he's, he's 195 pounds. It's I know. Happen. That's my point. That's my but, point. That's what I've been saying all the whole time. He, he's averaging <laughs> 17, 9, three and a half assists and four blocks in two games right, in man. the summer league. All right, man. Like, I, I, there, there's no point in having this discussion because <laughs> any point that I try to make, you're going to say it's just summer league. He's supposed to be dominating. But we're, we're talking about, yeah, it's just summer league. Like, Lawton <laughs> is a physical player. That was man, the goal. Man, to go out to against Coke Burn last night. What's that? No, do you man, going against Coke Burn and Xavier Steed last night. He's the he GOAT. That's everybody saying, all right, like, oh, man, I can't believe this. Chet, he's better than I thought he was. Well, I was like, all right, man. Going against yeah. Xavier Steed and Kobe Coke Burn, who I don't feel like an NBA player. But we'll we'll see what happens down the line. I just I just think he's going to get bullied a lot. I think he's going to be gassed a lot. I think he's going to be in foul trouble a lot. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, he had a tremendous game, game one. Like, showed out all kind of stuff. He's hitting the dirt fadeaway. 
doing all kinds of stuff. He but didn't have a is, terrible game in this one, dude. He who, had a, who, uh, he had who a he double against, double. though? He had a double double. Chet Onward, man. He said Onward said, like I said, these receipts are going to come out on me if he does. If he ends up being good, like, man, they're going to be on my head for sure. But like I said, I was going to get those tweets out tonight, man, because the GOAT, the GOAT Kenneth Lawson Jr., man, the baby Zebo, Snack Jesus, whatever, man, going out there, showing out the whole package tonight, man. I love it. Hopefully y'all didn't hear my popcorn going too much as I was eating, uh, watching, <laughs> listening, listening to y'all go back and forth. Hopefully that first take. <laughs> first take uninterrupted uh, statement here. <laughs> yeah, so – Anyway, th- there's not a ton to talk about. Like in the second game, it was you know uh, we, we talked about uh, Shaq Buchanan and him struggling. You know, five for fifteen from the field. He only had three turnovers, but for a guy that has experience, he w- he was lost out there tonight. Did did not look like the Shaq Buchanan that you expect to see. He was he was letting it fly though. Yeah, Ro- Romeo Weems was <laughs> out here chucking the ball up two for ten from the field. Um, oh man. But, I don't expect like the the guy that I was most interested in outside of of Kenneth Lofton was EJ Anu. You know he, he played 16 minutes and he he was a net neutral. You know the, the starters were you know like negative 16, negative 16, negative 16, negative 14, negative 21, and then uh, EJ plays 16 minutes and you know he, he goes even. So like he get my guy. He had a, a, a good impact on the game. Um, didn't do a whole lot statistically, you know, two points. Uh, he missed two free throws. That's awful. Never mind, kick him off the team. You know, two points, three rebounds. He had an assist, uh, super, super long. He blocked a shot. I, I think, I, I hope that he sticks around and he ended up uh, on the hustle at the end of last season. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, they made they made a trade with uh, another team. He ended up, it's weird because that's a guy that me and David talked about during our draft coverage. Last year, he went on draft, and he was a guy that we both liked just because you just see the physical tools. And uh, at that size, a guy that he can knock down three-pointers. I think I remember the box score. He had like four or five threes in one game uh, for the hustle. So he's a guy with that length, that size, that can knock down threes. If he can put it together, man, he might have something there. So I hope he's the guy that ends up with the hustle. He's the type of guy that other teams might look at and try to pick up. So hopefully they can hang on to him because I definitely think there's some potential there, but man, you omit my guy, man. Walmart John Conchar, Dakota Matthias, man, out there playing man, 11 points game one, 10 points again tonight, man. Knocking down shots, man. That's you know what I'm saying, man. What, knocking down shot. Jitty, Jitty, watch out. One for four. He knocked down free throws. No, he was in the mid ranges, though, man. He was only so, two, two. on the field tonight. <laughs> yeah, two. Two. Hey, hey, game <laughs> one, two or three for three. Yeah, so, game one, he was get knocking off my down guy, shots. Man. Tonight, 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 he was getting through the free throw line. So, <laughs> that was good. That, that's You know, I, I will say this. There is no way that you can convince me that Kenneth Lofton Jr. was not one of the 58 best man, players I, available <laughs> in this draft. You, you can't convince me. And I, I know, like, the concerns were his size and his weight. What's he going to be able to do? Because you can you can go and you can look up pictures. Was it Louisiana Tech is where he was playing. Yeah. You know, but, like, he played on the 19U USA team with Chet and Jalen. And, like, he was given, like, the, the big – the number one prospect right now for next year for the 2023 draft is Victor Wimanyama. <laughs> And he is seven foot three, like two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Got like a forty-seven foot wingspan. And Kenneth Lofton was giving that dude buckets too because he was out physically. Like he he was bully balling him as well. So he can play. And a lot of people knew that he can play. The Grizzlies, I I think this, you know, it, it's going to go down as a steal. You know, I I don't know that he's a guy you're going to see making making the opening day roster, but who knows? There there's a lot of summer league left. We'll see what happens. If, if Roddy is going to the first round, there's no reason Kenneth Lofton shouldn't be drafted. Uh, like you said, I mean, we, what he did in, uh, in in those championship games, put up big numbers at losing at Tech. Like I said, I know the weight thing is a problem, but kind of the same thing with, with Roddy. I mean, he's 6'6", 260, so he's a bigger guy, too. I, I just think he's going to make a lot of people wonder why, why he wasn't drafted. I mean, he and he has, like, NBA circles going crazy tonight. Like, Nate Duncan – on the Dunk On podcast, that like as soon as the game was over, it's like, man, we're on talking Kenny Lofton. Like, it's all over Twitter uh, right now with NBA guys a buzz about what he did and how much of a, a steal he was for the Grizzlies. So, 
Uh, I mean, I think I can't remember who it was. Another NBA guy said I can't remember who that was. Uh, might have been Keith Smith. Uh, said that he feels like uh, that by the end of the season he's probably going to be off a two-way and on a regular contract. Now the Grizzlies numbers, we'll see if that happens. But I think he he has that kind of talent. Uh, I, I, I really do think that if he can, and you don't want him to get skinny, like you just want him to to get in that weight NBA weight program and tone up a little bit. But you still want him to be have that size so he can play bully ball. But a guy that size, skills, can do shoot the basketball a little bit. I think he could even improve on that. Numbers weren't great. Um, he didn't shoot a lot of threes um, at Louisiana Tech. I don't think he only hit the three or four, but uh, I think he can knock down that shot. He's kind of confident in taking it. Uh, so, man, I, I just think there's a lot to work with with him. I think you're going to see him down in South Haven. I think that's going to get me down there a, a lot more because I'm really interested in him, and I really do think you could look up two or three years down the line. He's a, a real piece for this team. Like that's Again, man, shout out to, to Clapper in this front office. People saying I'm hating on them just because I had some questions on about them two trades they made at the end of the first round. This front office has been tremendous in developing players, identifying talent, and I think getting Kenny Chandler at 38, um, I think Vince Williams has some talent. I think a guy that they took a flyer on at 47, I think he's a guy that could develop in something for you down the line. But I think getting Kenny Lofton undrafted is just another great move because to me, I, I don't understand. There's no way that there were 58 players better than him on this draft. There's some guys that you look at at the bottom of that second round, there's guys that are just based on pure potential, haven't done anything. Kenneth Lofton has done a, a lot with a big-time numbers. You've seen tangible things from him. So it's just weird to me that teams passed on him. I'm glad they did because uh, the Grizzlies scooped him up, man. I think, think they might have a player there. I'm starting a campaign now. All right, Kenny Lofton Jr. at the four. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just put it out there. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought, man, that, 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 that's how crossed my mind when we were talking about that earlier. I mean, like, yeah. I'm the only person that can feel the whole. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking, but am I joking? That's, right. That's, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna put it out there in the universe. Maybe, maybe something happen with it. You know, you never know. It would be fun. It's the only way. That, oh, it that definitely I could be really fun. Man. There, there is an Boy, outside chance. There's an outside chance <laughs> that, that is their best option at the. Floor. It ain't zero. That's yeah, it, it is. It's more than zero. There, there's a better than zero percent chance that Kenneth Lofton Jr. is the best option to start at the four after the Jaron injury. Campaign starts today. You ready? <laughs> oh man, I, I don't want to talk about the like they, they lost final score. I don't even do we even talk about 87-71. They lost to yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. You look you look down at this Thunder roster. Jalen Williams, this is Santa Clara, and they Jay Will and Jay Dub, both of them played tonight. Jalen Williams is going to be a rotation guy. Chet Holmgreen, rotation guy. Pokusevsky, re, re, uh, rotation guy. Josh Giddy. Look like is, Michael Jordan out there tonight. Like, Killing it. Usman Jang was like, he was only two for five from three, but his shot looks good. Yeah, it looked great. That corner three hit in the world. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, he's likely to be a rotation guy. JRE, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a guy that we talked about in the last draft cycle. Yeah. And he's a guy that he plays high, high, high IQ basketball where he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. There's a good chance that you see him and Jalen Williams from Arkansas. So that, that is one, two, three four, five, six, seven, seven guys that are likely to be rotation players for this Oklahoma City Thunder team that played against the E squad for the Grizzlies. They played against Kenneth Lofton Jr. and the Snackettes tonight. They played <laughs> Snack Jesus and the Snackettes. That's who they faced tonight. And, you know, the, the Grizzlies right. made a couple runs. I, I didn't know what to go with. Man, I pulled it out of nowhere. It was probably terrible, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. I ain't stopping. So, and I was just, so I was just saying, speaking of uh, JRE, I think that was Nathan Google from Draft Deeper that we had on uh, during, during that draft draft season last year. I think that was his guy. Um, and, of yeah. course, Google, shout out. Shout out to my guy, man. Got engaged uh, last week. So, shout out to to Nathan Google from uh, Draft Deeper, friend of the program, man. Definitely want to get him back on. Didn't get a chance to have him. Oh, and this year, man, it was such a crunch, man. We're trying to get a get a lot of stuff in in a short amount of time with the Grizzlies going deeper in the playoffs. But uh, shout out to my guy. But yeah, that was just a kind of a thought. I remember him being a big Robinson Earl fan. We got plans in the works, and and Isaac and Candace are hearing this the first time right now. But I've been working on stuff behind the scenes, doing the work. And welcome to the dark, baby. We <laughs> we got plans. The draft coverage next season 
we're, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to get all the guests that we had the previous season, regardless of where the Grizzlies are in the playoffs. If they go to the finals, whatever happens, we're going to stagger it where we get some draft coverage in there. So while the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, you're going to get some yeah. draft coverage. We're, we're going to bring it to you and, and get as many of the you know high quality guests. Uh, Grubel is definitely going to be one of those guys that we're reaching out to. A lot of those guys over at No Ceilings doing fantastic work together. So, yeah, we'll even drop a podcast day of the parade. So, yeah, yeah man, <laughs> the day of the now we ain't doing unless we're doing <laughs> okay, it live. Just, on YouTube, do, yeah, yeah we'll do it live yeah, on yeah, that, live on it. scene. Yeah, that, that's how it's going down. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. Do you guys got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I, I just think it's exciting to see these rookies. Hopefully we get to actually see them next game. Um, I'm curious. I'm very curious. It's not only how they play the rest of the summer league, but I'm curious as to how the minute rotations are going to line up, uh, just how things are going right now. And just based off, you know, game one, I can actually see, you know, Vince William Jr. even kind of showing his value sooner than than somebody like a David Roddy. So we'll just see. Is there an interest to see how they do it, how they how they line these guys up and how they position them? But um, definitely entertainment, definitely fun. Can't wait. Uh, don't, don't know if we'll see Lofton Jr. next time, I'm sure. I'm sure tomorrow they, they may rest him out, but uh, yeah. it'll, be a, it'll be an intriguing game regardless. Yeah, I was going to say Utah's kind of the, the precursor. I, I'm hoping that they take it a little bit more seriously with the, with the rookies and the guys that could possibly be in a rotation uh, once they get to Vegas. And I'm hoping that's kind of how they handle it. But we know the Grizzlies, man, they kind of march it to be their own draw, man. They do some some different things like – and I have questions about it at times. I guess you're not supposed to, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm hoping they – Hoping they they play these guys because again, man, I think out of even more than than normal with kind of the, the way the roster's shaking out right now, if they don't do anything else, you need to see LaRavia, you need to see Roddy, you need to see what these guys can bring uh, because they're game one. I mean, you possibly there's a possibility that LaRavia is your starting four. I hope that's not the case because I feel like that's not only uh, a, not a good situation for a team that's trying to play at the top of the league, but it's also not a great situation for him either i just think that's unfair to so to have to put him in that position i think for his development you can look at it in one way that's a good thing but i think it, I, I just think that's a lot to, to to put on his plate when when you're trying to, to develop guys so we'll we'll see how it plays out i just hope we get to see a lot more of these guys as, as we move on to the vegas uh later in this weekend it's the next week yeah we appreciate you guys we'll go ahead and wrap it up you can get the show on twitter at ethos grizzlies I'm at NBA Dwill21. Candace is going to let you know where you can find her. And then we're going to toss it back to Isaac so he can get us out of here. Yep, that's right. You can find me on Twitter at CandaceH901, C A N D A C E H901. Isaac? Yeah, the Grizzlies will play their third game in a row uh, to wrap up, play in the Salt Lake Summer League. They'll take on the host, Utah Jazz, uh, tomorrow night. I think that's probably, if you look at Philly, OKC, and Utah, that's probably the worst of the three teams they'll face um, in, in this portion of Summer League. So you hope you see, see those guys back out there. I mean, you want to see more LaRavia, more Roddy, more these guys. I suspect, as Candace said, you'll probably see Kenneth Lofton rest tomorrow night, which is a bummer because I want to see all of him that I can see because uh, I'm a big fan, man. love what I saw after the night, man. He's a fun player to watch, and it seems like everybody in Grizz Nation is already falling in love with him, man. So you definitely want to see him out there, but I got a feeling we won't tomorrow night. But, uh, again, man, we'll be back. Uh, to, to discuss uh, the, the, this game and, and the rest of Summer League. So make sure you keep it locked right here to at Ethos Grizzlies. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. And for Candace um, and David, um, I've been Isaac Simpson. Until next time, we're gone.